The following program is brought to you by the Humble Farmer Bed and Breakfast in St. George, Maine. Thank you for listening. A northern Maine man who walked through, I guess it was about 30 miles of deep snow, in his sneakers, is alive today only because of his survival training. Survival training is very helpful if you haven't had any brain training, because if you've had brain training, you wouldn't have been wearing sneakers out in a blizzard to begin with. Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. Now <laughs> you're talking to me. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music.
Techs, of course, here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. Many, many, many main businesses give away gifts, you know, to, to their customers. Gas stations used to give away bottles of soda, and, and you can usually find free food treats in supermarkets. It has been proven that you can increase your business by giving away these inexpensive little free gifts. Now, if you're a carpenter, a house painter, please listen closely. If you're a carpenter or a house painter, you might want to consider giving your customers little trees or little shrubs to plant next to their houses. Your customers will, of course, love you for thinking of them. Who can deny that Houses look a lot nicer with shrubs up against them or, or trees nearby on the lawn. But stand back a bit and look at the roof and the sides of the houses that are encrusted with shrubs or have trees towering over them. Used to be one up by the corner near the Warren Post Office. It was a classic example, but it, of course it rotted. The whole house rotted and fell down. Or, if you're like most of us, you can look at your own house. You know this very well. Nothing rots out a house like the shade from a beautiful nearby oak tree. Nothing peels paint from a house like a nearby flowering shrub or bush. When you house painters give your customers beautiful little trees and shrubs, you're just like the lobstermen who return short lobsters to the sea. You're preparing for your future.
Ghana. Here on the humble farmer, Ghana. Paint and putty don't last like they used to. It wasn't all that long ago that I took a window out of my barn. I had just reset the glass and painted it, but believe it or not, the paint was already peeling and the putty was falling out. And then I looked at the date I'd written on this window when I last painted it, and it was 1978. <laughs> you know, when time seems to have lost its meaning, well, you've got to suspect that you're growing old. Mike a little bit so it don't pop when I'm talking into it. You're listening to The Humble Farmer, for which I must thank you. With any luck at all, you know I'm here every week at this time, right here on your favorite 
station playing old-fashioned music just for you. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And if you'd like to laugh, write this down. Google Timothy Dexter. Timothy Dexter, who was born in 1747. And read what Timothy Dexter did. He made a lot of money doing irrational things that shouldn't have worked. But they did, and it's fun just to read about them. You could make a movie out of this guy. I wonder if anyone has. Every time he did something that should fail, he made a fantastic profit. Oh, Google Timothy Dexter, because I'd like to, to see you laugh. And here's, here's just one example. He sent warm-in pans down to the tropical West Indies. Now, warming pans, you might know, were used to preheat cold beds years and years and years ago before they had central heat in cold New England houses in cold New England winters. So you might wonder, why would you need to heat a bed in the tropics? But they got them down there, and the ship's captain sold these bed warmers as ladles for the molasses industry, and he made a good profit. i got to tell you one more thing. This Timothy Dexter wrote a book with no punctuation marks in it. The second edition contained two extra pages full of punctuation marks with a little note telling the reader to use them wherever he pleased. Man's name was Timothy Dexter and he died in 1806. Look him up the next time you need a good laugh.
Selvin from 1930. Nice little dance thing. Dance to that kind of music. You hear a lot of talk about what will be available for jobs after four years at college. The people making buggy whips and wagon wheels went out of business, of course, when people started using automobiles. And a similar thing is happening today in a rapidly changing technological world. It's happening even faster nowadays than it did a hundred years ago. Did you end up doing the thing you studied to do at college? I didn't. Yes, I was like the rest. I I went to college only because it promised a great paying job. I wanted the big money. $3,000 a year we expected we were going to get teaching grade school. I didn't know what I was going to do with so much money. $3,000 a year. And now, looking back 60 years, I would say that an education is worth more than a well-paying job. After nine years of college, I came home and mowed fields and dug gardens for my neighbors with a big Ford tractor. And I did this for years and years. But I was able to think and take notes while I was driving that tractor, and it accidentally morphed into writing for 55 newspapers, 29 years on what used to be main public radio, and and an unimpressive speaking career. Spoke everywhere from California, Holland, Ireland. I told you of the Eastport mailman who quit teaching psychology at Penn State and the brilliant young boy on a main island who was sent to Harvard by a rich man. Rich man, of course, realized that the boy had potential. And my brother told me he saw that boy with his four years at Harvard cutting bushes out by the airport runway. Now, here's my question to you. Why shouldn't happiness and the ability to understand the people around you be the goal of an education? If you're clever, no matter what you study, you'll be able to survive after three or four years of grad school, even if it is the realization that you'd be a lot better off moving to New Zealand. Thank you. 
Wow, Bex. What a thing Bex was, Abby. I've been listening to him for, what, 60 years, 65 years. I'm I'm still amazed. <laughs> One of the great things about Facebook, let me tell you about Facebook. One of the great things about Facebook is that many of us old folks who use it feel obligated to step up and tell other people what they should do with their lives. Know what I'm talking about? Don't drink alcohol, don't smoke, read sociology textbooks, or spend a month in Finland. Don't leave a makeup mirror on your bureau, because if that low winter sun comes in the window and hits that makeup mirror just right, there's one chance in a million that it can start a fire. Like I think it did in my house only a few days ago. Smoke alarm caught it. Peep, 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 peep. Before it burned the chair, it was focused on. Before it burned that chair to the floor, my wife heard the peeping, called the fire alarm, fire department. They got there and put that chair out because you couldn't go in the room for the smoke. So it's not the fire, it's the smoke. And I'll tell you that smoke damage in the second story of our home is bad, 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 bad. Kind of croaky here, just talking with you with you now. Anyway, there are dozens of other things I think you should or should not be doing, and I will add them to my list when you get around to sending them to me. What do you want me to put on the list? I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com.
Father Hines, who ain't got no body here on the Humble Farmer. Time going so fast here. Thank you for listening. I was at a public radio meeting years and years ago, and this fellow said, every 15 minutes, tell people who you are and what you're doing, because they might have just tuned in. So I try to do that for you. I know I like to know when I'm just catch a tune in the middle of a program. Who in the devil is that? Where's he broadcasting from? You're listening to The Humble Farmer here on your favorite radio station. With any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time, and I play old-fashioned music just for you. I am thehumblefarmer at gmail.com, and whenever I drive to South Carolina or Georgia or Florida, I drive through Scranton, way upstate New York, you know, just so I don't have to drive through New York City, Washington, and Baltimore. Now, it's a hundred extra miles out of my way, but it's much easier driving. I'm an old main man, so you can understand that I'm not used to seeing a lot of cars in front of me and in back of me. Uh, say nothing of not on the side of me on the road. City driving really scares me. It strains me. It's stressful. But I want to tell you this, after driving 95 miles an hour in Germany last month, while cars whistled by me at 120 or 130 miles an hour, well, I want you to know that New York City would be a piece of cake. So I might go to New York City, Baltimore, and Washington the next time I go south. Of course, in Germany, I was in a brand spanking new rented one of them Peugeot cars. And, of course, this car went faster when you stepped on the gas so you could get out of the way. In my wife's RAV4, which has 260,000 miles on it, when you step on the gas, well, nothing happens.
Mm-hmm. Joe Pass. Joe Pass. The very thought of you, dear humble lover here. Thank you for writing, by the way. Just caught your insightful comments on WRFR while waiting, waiting for my wife. I'm a cat lover. <clears throat> but I've got to admit, you got it mostly right. There's just two things you missed. First, you call cats domesticated animals. Wrong. The owners are the domesticated ones. And then, just think about what the world would be like if these cute cats didn't kill millions of birds. What would it be like if the world around us were filled with several, several hundred times as many birds as we have now? Airplanes would have to be grounded. They can't build a $1 million fence at Owl's Head Airport to keep the birds off the runways. The noise of bird songs would drive us crazy. And, and finally, the, uh, the solid waste left behind by those extra birds would put the fertilizer companies out of business. The organic farmers would put the scientific farmers out of business. Wading through it might be a problem. Anyway, i got to admit, i got to tell you this, this letter is from Bill, who says that he is a less humble farmer. And he lives in Hope, Maine.
mix on the humble farmer. You know, with any luck at all, and I always have to preface my remarks with that because you never know what's going to happen next week. With any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time right here on your favorite radio station. And for that, I thank you. I am The Humble Farmer, and you can contact me at gmail.com because I'd like to know what you're doing. What are you up to? Got to tell you, years ago, during a winter blizzard that was supposed to have been the worst in 30 years, the governor of Massachusetts, Governor Deval Patrick, well, he declared a state of emergency across Massachusetts. He banned non-emergency vehicles from roadways after 4 p.m. <laughs> and when I saw this on television, my thoughts were, good luck, Mr. Man. Are they going to ticket people who, who are out in this storm? Yes. They can always shut down the turnpikes, but you know this as well as I do. There's always someone who thinks they'll just barely have time to get from here to there, and they'll try to beat the deadline. Oh, we can get there for 4 o'clock. You know as well as I do that a lot of people who are stopped for being out in this storm and ticketed, they're going to be very angry. If there is one thing Americans hold dear, it is the right to drive during a blizzard until they get stuck and then have to be rescued or have their frozen bodies removed from their cars two days later. For the end of the trouble I see 
T. Gardin and who else was that playing trumpet? One night I watched a movie called The Graduate. The Graduate was made in 1967. You probably remember when it came out. And it reflects the protests against the establishment that was so popular at the time. Now, I was in graduate school in 1967 attempting to ascertain if there really is a one-to-one correlation between acoustic and articulatory parameters. And I remember, to get to my classes, I had to step over students who were lying in the corridors protesting one of our endless wars. But I wanted to say that this Dustin Hoffman is a great actor. You could, you could feel his pain when everybody in the world was telling him to do things that he didn't want to do. Now, he'd obviously gone through our school system because he politely did everything that Mrs. Robinson and anyone else told him. Remember the old bumper stickers, question authority? Well, he obviously didn't until the very end where he beats them back with a cross and then uses it as a bar to lock them in the church, which was the only part of the movie that I remembered. That and the famous plastic slime. So I squirmed and I suffered through the whole graduate movie, feeling 
his pain. And this movie played without commercials. I watched it just to see the last five minutes, which I remembered were really good. And yes, I suffered. Now, you've seen those movies where someone goes to open a door and you hear the ominous music and the drums in the background. And you know, you just know that something bad is going to happen if that if they open that door. You know something bad is behind that door and you're hollering at the person on the screen, don't open that door. Now, the graduate affected me the same way because I kept hollering, don't do it. Get out of there. What a fool that young man was to do everything that everyone told him to do. And, of course, he finally snapped. But when you think about it, what we're talking about here is the definition of a nice young man. A nice young man is someone who does everything you tell him to do without questioning you. You and I like young people who do everything that we tell them without questioning us. Oh, you should know. <laughs> you should know that one thing has changed in that graduate movie since I saw it in 1967, whenever it was. When I watched it again, I noticed that one thing had changed. Remember that aged old hag, Mrs. Robinson? If you watch that movie today, you'll notice that she's still a sleaze, but that her complexion has really improved and She's just about the age of your youngest daughter.
Bix Bix. Thank you for listening. Time to get out of here. With any luck at all, I hope to be back next week at this time playing old-fashioned music for you. Some more old-fashioned than others. Have you been watching the news lately? You probably have noticed that nowadays couples living in a home in which shots have not been fired, well, they're considered to have a good marriage. Take off lots of fat, but I'm no friend of that.